Hello everybody, my name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be asking ourselves the question of, is the Mark Driscoll comeback real? And we're going to be doing a slight review of his sermon series on Elijah called New Days Old Demons. So that's going to be the subject of today's video. We've got an article over at Evangelical Dark Web kind of doing this review uh, because I wanted to write it before I said it just to make sure I cover all the bases of what I wanted to say because this is about 12 plus hours worth of content that we're talking about here. And it's also over 12 years worth of ministry that we're talking about with Mark Driscoll here. He's been a pastor for a very long time, a controversial figure for a, a very long time. So we're going to tread carefully as we discuss these things. But first, I will let you know, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. Uh, that's the, the least you can do, though, is like this video, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, like I said, this is an article over at evangelicaldarkweb.org um, that we're doing this video based on. So, um, I've been working on this for a while. Uh, I watched, I've been curious about the Mark Driscoll comeback phenomenon for a while, and I've taken some time to watch his sermon series on Elijah that went very viral. It took me a while to do it because I was watching it during my day job and stuff. And I'm not the fastest when it comes to streaming and binge watching content just in general. So that being said, Mark Driscoll remains one of the most polarizing figures in evangelicalism. The fall of Mars Hill became the subject of the podcast by Christianity Today or Compromise Today, as we like to call them who used these events as a thinly veiled attack on patriarchy. Yet Mars Hill, in actuality, is more of a story about the failures of the multi-campus megachurch model and trying to preach orthodoxy and orthopraxis in, extremely, in an extremely liberal area. So, you know, when you try to combine, like, being orthodox with megachurchianity in a very liberal area... It's not a good combination. It's not a stable recipe for success. And I think that's largely what the Mars Hill phenomenon reflects. So that's just my hot take, my read on the situation. And yes, there were some conflicting personalities. Now, I'm not aware of any of the elders at Mars Hill that didn't go woke. And, and stuff like that, so... Again, uh, that's a major issue with this situation in terms of, you know, who's actually credible, who's actually, you know, theologically credible. Is it Mark Driscoll? Is it these other people? It's also worth mentioning that, you know, Mark Driscoll is more orthodox than most of his detractors. We'll talk about the two camps that are his detractors in a minute, but he is more credible than most of them. So, uh, Mark Driscoll was a jerk and it even publicly repented of his sins. So this is actually something that's a bit of a misnomer. A lot of people said that, you know, Mark Driscoll uh, fled accountability. Uh, he's never really acknowledged these things. That's technically false. Um, it is on the Mars Hill YouTube channel that he did a 17 minute video acknowledging these things and publicly apologizing and, you know, saying that he's repenting of these things. Uh, so, 
that can't be ignored. It's a bit of a misnomer that he didn't do that. And then he resigned from the church. And that's what a lot of pastors do when they're in a situation where they can't get along with their other elders. They just resign and leave. We've seen this happen with, you know, some faithful brothers like Joe Webin leaving his church in California and then starting a church in Texas. Now, he's not Mark Driscoll, but he would agree that Mark Driscoll is not a false teacher. And he said that even on uh, a live stream with me. He said that in the beginning of the year because uh, we talked about this issue in depth. So check out that live stream. Um, moving on, yet there is no evidence that the elders were any, there were any better. And thus the system collapsed after Driscoll resigned. And while using church funds to astroturf a book may seem unethical, it is not embezzling as someone else had to sign off on that and execute the order. Um, additionally, a fiduciary, let alone missional justification, can be given for this expenditure. So Mark Driscoll has been accused of a lot of things. One of the things that he's been accused of was embezzle embezzlement, which is based on trying to astroturf book sales, which, again, I don't think that's really embezzling. And you can offer a uh, missional and fiduciary justification for, and I don't even think Mark Driscoll is the only one who does that or did that. I think there's a lot of people in Big Eva that have done that. So just my thoughts on that. Uh, as Years have gone by. Mark Driscoll has started a new church, the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. Many would say that he is permanently disqualified, although I'm unconvinced that being a jerk is permanently disqualifying. And we've largely only heard one side of the story. Now, Mark Driscoll has said some things along the lines of, you know, they've accused him of a bunch of things or they threatened to accuse him of a bunch of things. So he said stuff along those lines. But... I don't think he's really done a tell-all about the events, the specific events. So, either way, Mark Driscoll remains incredibly unpopular with two camps. And those are the theological liberals like Christianity Today or Compromise Today. So, theological liberals hate Mark Driscoll. And then hardcore cessationists hate Mark Driscoll. Now, Mark Driscoll, bit of a, you know... Theological hot taker, big on theological hot takes, sometimes a little bit clownish, like some people that we know on social media, but still don't call them false teachers for that. Um, like the Jason Farley guy who said that tran you know, transgenderism is caused by crudo baptism. Like, uh, you know, we don't discard him for that erroneous take. Uh, Mark Driscoll has had some pretty dumb theological takes, um, but that's, you know, Part of being a megachurch pastor, I guess, and someone who's a bit of a hot taker. So, and he is very much against cessationism, and in, uh, at least on social media, is very clownish about it. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. And many allies, many other people who do discernment ministry are also cessationists. So, Mark Driscoll, not loved among those people. And I believe he's also no longer a Calvinist and kind of anti-Calvinist, I think. And again, a lot of people in discernment ministry on the Calvinist side, even myself as, am a Calvinist. So 
you know, there's a natural disposition to not like the people who are not Calvinist. So this is a fast, this is fascinating to me as a discernment reporter who came about after Mars Hill. When I hear Mark Driscoll in interviews, he gives exceedingly good commentary on the church. Uh, he acknowledges past mistakes and he's willing to go to places no other celebrity pastor is going. So he's going places and saying things that a lot of pastors should be, but aren't. So there's a distinct uh, disparity between what he says and what a lot of other pastors say. And a lot, and he's saying a lot of things that a lot of other pastors should be saying. Mark Driscoll isn't exactly the person I would go to for theology. Um, those are just my general thoughts about him, but he's not weak. He's not effeminate. And you can do a lot worse. But we do not dismiss... Uh, Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Additionally, when you look at church history, there are a lot of early church fathers and reformers that have far more checkered records than Driscoll, but we do not dismiss them. So I'm, I'm trying to apply equal weights and measure. Uh, I don't, you know, Martin Luther is probably the quintessential historic Christian figure with a checkered resume. And yet many of us in the Protestant camp would consider him a true believer. Uh, and, you know, that's just a widely known example. There are far more uh, examples than just Martin Luther when it comes to shady history involving uh, people in the church. And Mark Driscoll, comparatively, is a lot less shady. Now, Mark Driscoll has gone viral for his series on Elijah, uh, which has been used to showcase the Real F Faith Ministries outlet, which I guess he's relaunched. This series titled is titled Elijah, New Days, Old Demons, and is a 12-sermon series to see, and I watched this to see if the comeback is real or not. The series contains some of Driscoll's most watched sermons ever, and produced several viral clips. Now, I don't really have any clips to play for this, um, but I, can, I do describe a lot of the clips, and a lot of the stuff I want to talk about with this series aren't exactly in the viral clips. So, let's do some ground rules. Just like with our discernment verdict, secondary issues are not a basis for labeling people false teachers. Neither are they a fair way to judge a sermon. Or at least theological hot takes are not a basis for dis discounting a sermon. I've listened to plenty of sermons where pastors gave theological hot takes I do not agree with, and in the interest of equal weights and measures, the same standard will be applied to Driscoll. Now again, I actually enjoy when pastors give theological hot takes and sermons, even when I don't agree with them. I actually enjoy it. I, I like the boldness. I like the fact that they're trying to teach and trying to teach theology. I like that, even if I don't agree with the ultimate theology. Mark Driscoll has multiple, has multiple segments across multiple sermons explaining why he believes cessationism is wrong. Additionally, he is also dispensational in his teaching. Now, the dispensationalism would drive me a lot, uh, would, would irk me a lot more than, dispensa uh, than the uh, continuationism debate. But again, I'm not holding that against him. I thought the final sermon series titled When Elijah Will Return to Earth for His End Times Ministry 
when will Elijah return to Earth for his end times ministry, would be completely dispensational, but it wasn't. Thank God for that. Um, Because I would have had to rethink the standard a little bit if one sermon was completely devoted to false doctrine, in my opinion, like a certain Jeremiah... uh, uh, yeah, David Jeremiah sermon. So Mark, so let's talk about the good. Mark Driscoll explains that both Ahab and Jezebel were under demonic influence, referring to the spirit of Jezebel in Revelation 2.20. He teaches that the Jezebel spirit is domineering and sensual. He teaches that the Ahab spirit is passive and tolerant. In other words, emasculated. He does a good job at pointing to these manifestations in modern day. Mark Driscoll does an exceedingly good job at relating the story of Elijah to Jesus and the New Testament. Admittedly, the story of Elijah is not the hardest text to find Jesus in. It was nonetheless well done. And, you know, that's what some people would call the goal of exegesis. And you're finding the meaning of the text, but you're also finding where Christ is in the text. So, big thing in exegeting and interpreting scriptures, you know, where's the Christ in the text? What What's pointing to Christ in the text? And Elijah is the figure that's pointing to Christ in the text. Elijah is, Jesus is the greater Elijah, just like Jesus is the greater Moses. Um, and just like David calls his descendant, Jesus, Lord. Jesus is greater than the predecessors in the Old Testament that point to him. I think Mark Driscoll does a great job at pointing that out. The last sermons in the series made a prescient point about pastoral succession. And that's the part I've most recently watched, so it's definitely the most fresh on my mind. Uh, he, de- he, he discussed how it was wrong for a, the senior pastor to be retired and have a search committee without them on it. Driscoll applies the Elijah and Elisha uh, dynamic to how churches should handle retirement and ultimately replacement. So he believes that the old pastor should bring on the new pastor and should have a say on who the new pastor is and should, you know, there should be a, a transition process. Ironically, you know who's actually doing that is Rick Warren. Now, I don't think he got the idea from Rick Warren. I think, you know, th- this is just practical wisdom, but it does seem to be overlooked. And it's, again... Mark Driscoll tends to have pretty incisive commentary on the church, which is shocking given given his theological background and, you know, checkered past. But that was some pretty insightful commentary on the church and how churches don't handle secession well and why they don't handle secession well. So I I thought that was a really good highlight of the sermon uh, of the series. And I wanted to point that out. I think the first and fifth sermons are the best, which seems to be the popular consensus as they also have the most views. So now let's talk about the concerns that I have. I do have a couple, a few concerns. So the biggest concerns with the series came in the sermon titled, What Causes and Cures Spiritual Depression? Mark Driscoll applies our modern understanding of depression to the text. It's conjecture to say that Elijah had depression as it is to apply any mental illness to the text. And the reason this sermon stood out as particularly as a particularly weak sermon is that mental health is an industry that largely exists to create more lifetime 
customers. So, you know, it's Big Pharma, it's, you know, the APA, it's all a, an industry that wants to create more lifetime customers. It doesn't want to treat people, it wants people perpetually paying for therapy, for drugs. And all of these, most of these issues are more spiritual in nature. You know, depression is more spiritual in nature. Anxiety can be more spiritual in nature. Um, but people don't want to talk about that. People would much rather, people are much more comfortable going with the prevailing narrative of the APA and the Freud, Freudians out there. And Mark Driscoll kind of joins them along in that. So taking their narratives and reading them into scripture is a red flag. It must be noted that Mark Driscoll is far from the only pastor that buys into the Freudian APA propaganda. Additionally, I wonder whether Driscoll's comments along the lines of the government sucks are used as cheap applause lines. This is a concern that's unique to Driscoll, whereas the first concern was pretty broad for the church, but did appear and I thought was the biggest weakness in the series was that sermon because I thought that sermon was particularly weak. Um, Driscoll also claims that he wrote the book that the sermon series is based on in one day, which seems dubious. I have a hard time believing that. But I also don't have the word count of the book, or at least the initial draft of the manuscript, to really weigh in on how true or not true this is. But that was a striking comment. It'd be a pretty stupid thing to lie about. Like, even if you wrote that in a week, that'd be impressive. So that'd be a stupid thing to lie about, but I don't know. I don't have the evidence that he lied about it. But it's just worth noting that I have a hard time believing that. Driscoll also makes an argument. So let's go to our conclusions. Um, Driscoll also makes an argument that about Elijah mocking the prophets of Baal, an argument that I wrote about in my upcoming book as well. Interestingly enough, this interpretation suddenly became controversial when the video clip went viral because Driscoll made the argument. You know, if someone else made the argument, it might not have been so controversial, but Mark Driscoll made the argument. And, you know, he has a reputation for, you know, being a bully or something like that. And, you know, bravado and patriarchal stuff like that. So he has that type of reputation. And so... The people who oppose that type of stuff made a huge controversy out of something that's pretty plainly in the text. Like, it's pretty plain in the text that Elijah is mocking the prophets of Baal, but it became a controversial issue because Mark Driscoll taught it. And it's actually also in my book, which was written way before I listened to that sermon series. Um, so... But again, Mark Driscoll is saying things that conventional pastors are not. So he's a little unconventional, but he's saying the things that conventional pastors are not. That's the appeal of Mark Driscoll. Driscoll has some bravado, specifically with his comedic delivery, but he is not the egomaniac that is Rick Warren. However, or having never listened to Mark, a Mark Driscoll sermon before, because again, I didn't grow up in megachurch Christianity culture. I didn't grow up in the Big Eva youth camp. I grew up in a Christian family, but not uh, super inundated with evangelical subculture. And I'm, I should be thankful for that. But so I've never listened. I never really watched any megachurch pastors other than for reach, research purposes. So this is my first real experience listening to a Mark Driscoll sermon. I've listened to him in interviews. And I got to say, 
I was surprised by the amount of meat in the sermon series, uh, especially since the sermon series is dressed in megachurch pageantry. Because again, um, I, I've been to a megachurch before, a wannabe megachurch, and they do all the pageantry of, of these sermon series on different topics. They're not necessarily on the books of the Bible. Sometimes they are, but I, I've been there and it's milk. You're getting spiritual milk. You're not really getting uh, fed the word. You're getting the spiritual milk. But with Mark Driscoll, you know, he's got the same thing going on. Yet there's spiritual meat there. And I'm shocked by that. Uh, false teachers get worse over time and believers get better over time because the reprobate decays while the elect is sanctified. I have a hard time believing that the evidence shows that Mark Driscoll is getting worse over time. And this sermon series is evidence of that. So that's kind of my take. Again, we can wait and see. Uh, uh, we can point to the you know moment in Acts where they talk about if this is of God, we can't stop it. And if it's not of God, it'll stop itself. So we can kind of point to that for a moment. But overall, I, I don't think that Mark Driscoll is a false teacher. I think that's an overreach. And I also think this is evidence that he's getting better over time because this is overall a pretty good sermon series. So those are my thoughts on the Mark Driscoll comeback. I do think the comeback is real. I do think that he will play a larger role in the future. And this is kind of just the beginning, especially because most of his critics have discredited them, themselves. Like Christianity Today has no credibility among believers. They made the podcast about him. I, I do think the sermon bloggers, they won't ever like him. Yeah, I'm a discernment blogger too. I think most other discernment bloggers won't ever like him uh, because of the cessationism issue. But he's get he he's gaining ground, and I think he's a more positive influence in the conservative ink, where he seems to have a lot more street cred and uh, clout with. And we need Christian leaders that have clout with Christian uh, conservative ink. We need that. So. I'm glad he's filling that role and not some pansy like Mark, Mark Dever. So that's what I got to say about that. My name's Ray. This is the Evangelical Dark Web. Have a blessed day. We'll catch you on the next one.